This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I seriously love BetterHelp so much. They're one of my favorite sponsors, and I will tell you why I love them so much. When I started this podcast, I was going through a really rough time. I'm talking drug relapse, drug addiction, drug abuse, relationship issues, anxiety, depression. I was going through one of the craziest moves of my life, so therapy really helped me get through a lot of that. And online therapy is, in my opinion, even better than going to a therapist's office because, let's face it, our lives have changed the last year or so, and I just feel like online therapy is the best way to go. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating with them in less than 48 hours. They really do match you with, with a therapist so quickly. It takes, in my case, less than 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available, which might not really be locally available in all areas. The service is available for clients worldwide, and it's super easy to access your account. You can log in, you can send a message to your counselor really at any time you want, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, whatever you prefer. I like to do phone sessions sometimes because sometimes I like to, to go on a walk when I, go on, when I do my therapy sessions. It's really up to you. Traditional therapy can come with kind of a stressful energy attached to it. So I really love how BetterHelp is really controlled by the, the patient. If you want to connect with your therapist and communicate something with them, they have a journal feature, which I absolutely love. This journal feature has the option of sharing your journal entries with your therapist, but if you want to keep them totally uh, private and anonymous towards yourself, you don't have to share them with your therapist. But I really like this feature because for many of us, starting fresh with a new therapist gives us a lot of anxiety and it can trigger us. Um, so if you feel like that, you're not alone. I felt the same exact way because let's face it, a new therapist has to ask questions and try to get on the same page as where their client is. And sometimes rehashing our, our history of trauma and all the details can become kind of exhausting and a little bit annoying. So what I do when I start with a new therapist, like I did on BetterHelp, is I use the journal feature and I wrote kind of a lengthy email explaining to the therapist where what I've been through in the last few years, where I'm at right now, what I'm looking for in therapy, and what kind of therapy I've done, what kind of therapy I'm interested in, and what I'd like um, out of a therapist. So this is super important. If starting with a brand new therapist gives you panic or anxiety or stress, 
This is the most stress-free approach you could possibly do. I love how they matched me with someone with the experience and qualifications that I asked for. I personally asked for a therapist who had some experience with eating disorders, depression, and relationship trauma. Once BetterHelp matched me with my therapist, she messaged me right away and then I scheduled my first session with her for that week. The process is easy, effortless, and stress-free. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So if you're going through a hard time right now, and let's face it, so many of us are, whether it's emotional turbulence, depression, anxiety, relationship issues, LGBTQ issues, whatever it is, body image, self-esteem, BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com vibe. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Vibe within listeners, you get 10% off of your first month of online counseling at betterhelp.com slash vibe. That's betterhelp.com slash vibe. Betterhelp.com slash vibe. Go start online therapy. DM me on Instagram. Let me know how it's going. And I hope that you get the help, the support, and the healing that you deserve. Welcome to the Vibe Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen. Each week, we will connect through stories and conversations about wellness, yoga, addictions, spirituality, mental health, rituals, and everything in between. The goal is to transform our traumas into strengths to create the change we desire in our lives. My mission is to help others by shining awareness on real-life topics so we can learn new ways to heal physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Whatever you are going through in this moment, you are not alone, so let's connect and heal our vibe within. Hey guys, welcome back to the pod. I'm your host, Gab Cohen. If you're new around here, welcome. Um, So I did take like a few weeks off of the podcast because I needed to take a little break. I needed to take a little breather, nothing crazy. But um, as some of you know, I moved back to Florida in the beginning of January and I feel like when when we go through like a, a really challenging or intense transition like moving cross country or just like any kind of you know intense change in your life um, it's natural for the body to kind of all of a sudden like once the transition's done and, and you got through it I think sometimes the body will like release all of these health issues all at once and I was listening to a podcast the other day and she was kind of talking about this and you know it's interesting like when we 
when when those of us who are like going through like a so sobriety right like you're you're getting sober um you know when you were drinking and doing drugs and stuff like that you might have not even realized all of the health issues that that you had because you weren't like aware you weren't mindful of, of the body as as much as you might become when you become sober and when you become sober that's when we become very hyper aware of how we feel physically emotionally mentally so it's natural for a lot of health issues to kind of rise to the surface you know level of your life and then you have nothing to do but but deal with it um so that's what happened for me because when i was living in california um i was going through a really weird phase living with someone um, I didn't necessarily want to live with and I pushed through and I just I got through it and you know whatever but I did talk about this already um, on the episode last episode or the episode before that about Instagram breaks and stuff like that but um, so I was going through kind of this phase where I was just putting my my health on the back burner like completely like yeah I was still healthy but I wasn't um I wasn't really doing everything that I could to heal physically like I didn't go to the doctor I didn't get blood work done I just put it all on hold because I was out in California and because I didn't have a doctor out there and I was just like you know what like whatever I'm fine and I kept telling myself that I was fine but deep down I knew that I wasn't fine I knew that I needed to get blood work. I knew that I needed to get my, um, you know, my hormones checked again because I have autoimmune stuff and Hashimoto stuff and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, what happened was I powered through that intense time in California by, you know, drinking hard kombuchas every night and self-medicating and, you know, like I still was healthy. I still ate vegan and went on hikes and stuff like that, but I wasn't healthy um, mentally. Like, I felt very drained and around passive-aggressive energy out there. So it took a toll on my on my autoimmune stuff, I think. And so when I got back to Florida and I was safe and feeling like, you know, I got through that battle, got through that journey of traveling cross-country with two cats, um then all the health issues started to come up and that's why I took a break from the podcast for a few weeks because I realized that I have not only been in the worst Hashimoto flare-up that I've had in like a year but I've also realized that I think I have parasites and I do I do have parasites I know this for a fact because when I went to Bali and Thailand last year or not last year, sorry, um, 2017 was the first time I went. I don't know why I said last year. Um, I got sick there, and long story short, I was, like, deathly ill, and I know for sure that's that's when I inherited some parasites. Anyways, um, so being home has made me be able to shift my focus on my physical health and I'm on a parasite cleanse kind of protocol. I got a colonic the other day. I'm getting two more colonics. And if you've never gotten a colonic, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, it is 
It is a fucking experience, let me tell you. And it's actually pretty enjoyable. I mean, not to sound gross, but I I truly, truly um, felt such a emotional and physical release, obviously. Um, and the woman that I went to, she, she's been doing it for 30 years. She has a beautiful office out of her home. It was, it was definitely uh, an intimate kind of experience. It was just me and her. And I learned a lot about my body, and I was, I was amazed with how, how much came out of my body. So I'm getting two more colonics because you're supposed to get like a series of two or three. And she was like, she was actually shocked and like blown away with how much was coming out of my body and how my body was reacting to, to the, um, to the therapy. She was like, wow, your body's just reacting very, very well. And I'm like, what does that mean? (laughs) So yeah, I'm full of shit, both, uh, figuratively and literally no, but, um, yeah, highly recommend it. So I guess that's just a perfect, you know, caveat or segue to, uh, get into this episode, not really, but um, I guess it does make sense because what I'm talking about today is trauma with relationships, and that can bring up a lot of shit. <laughs> um, it can bring up a lot of shit, and it's, and I, it, and it's crazy because as I'm cleansing and as I'm realizing, you know, why my body is not working properly or functioning properly. Um, and I'm cleansing deep, you know, I'm on a very intense autoimmune kind of protocol diet, Hashimoto stuff, obviously the parasites. I have to be really careful with what I'm eating right now. My body can't even handle like some vegetables and fruits um, because they have a lot of lectins in them. Um, if you've never heard of high lectin kind of reactions, it's Uh, based on Dr. Stephen Gundry's book, The Plant Paradox. So if if you're vegan and you're plant-based, not to go on a little tangent, but just real quick, if you're vegan and plant-based and you feel like you have a lot of inflammation and pain in your body, um, it could be high lectins in, in your body, which if you have leaky gut, if you have SIBO, if you have any digestion issues, having an overabundance of lectins can really create a lot of inflammation and just so many symptoms. It's, it's fucking crazy. I will, I will link it in the show notes so you guys can check it out for yourself. Um, I'll try to remember to link the article, but all right, so let's get into this topic, which is, is it demisexuality or is it relationship trauma? Because as I'm cleansing and detoxing, I'm realizing that a lot of my past relationships are bubbling up to my mind. And I am really, really shocked that that's happening because I thought that I was over a lot of these relationships like years ago. I'm talking, some of them are like almost 10 years ago. Um, some of them are 10 years ago. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy what can happen when we start healing the physical that the mental will start to like unravel like an onion and 
all of these wounds are are coming up and being opened up again and you feel like your mind is just like playing tricks on you and making you making you remember these traumatic experiences and these memories um and it can be very very daunting and so that's what's been going on for me um and my cats are trying to come in right now come in or out choose in or out all right bye okay um so the mind will start playing tricks on you and making you feel like you're not over these relationships when you know you are you are mentally over them it's been years it's you've spent a lot of time you know healing and doing shadow work and you you never think about these people but that's the that's that's the interesting thing about when you heal the body the mind starts to um try and play catch up so that's what this episode is going to be about and the reason why I also wanted to make this episode is because I was on a Reddit subthread, uh, demisexuality, and there's tons of people in there, thousands and thousands of people, um, and that's what that's what kind of inspired me to make this episode. This episode is gonna resonate with literally everyone listening because whether you're a male or a female, you have had some kind of relationship in your life. Um, have a layer of trauma, you know, like when we were like teenagers or in our early 20s or even late 20s or even 30s, like whatever, there's gonna be a relationship that happens in your life that causes you suffering. And it could be on both sides, it can be on one side, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go through these like archetypal relationship trauma um, examples, and these stories are are you know my personal stories, but they're not rare because everyone in one way or another has experienced these archetypal experiences. So just fit yourself where it resonates because you know, sadly, I know at least one of them will fit your trauma experience. And it's sad, but it's true. Um, And I think that that's why a lot of us in this day and age um, sit here, you know, and it's impossible for us to open up again to someone new uh, because swiping on an app, you know, can activate our body and our mind. And after years of toxic or abusive or manipulative relationships, it's, it's very natural and easy to only see a person's toxic or manipulative, like, fuckboy or fuckgirl qualities. You know, if you feel like you've just been, you've been in the ringer, you know, you've, you've been in one toxic relationship after the next... Um, the spiritual like intuition of our bodies gets a lot stronger and it can make you sense their trauma, their darkness, you know, and then a part of you will, will say, you know, please don't take any, any more chances with anyone, you know, like a part of your soul is like begging you to just not even, not even take that risk. 
Um, and it seems like these days it's really in trend to be like highly empathetic or intuitive or, you know, everybody's a highly sensitive person, which, you know, is very true because we're all sensitive, but, um, it's not that fun being a highly sensitive person because a lot of my relationships that I've, that I'll, you know, be going through in this episode, not in crazy detail, but just to, to lay out, you know, is it trauma or is it demisexuality? A lot of my relationships, I feel, ended because I was too emotional or I was too much or I was sharing too much or I was, you know, coming off as dramatic or needy or um, codependent, you know. And that's not a cute look, especially, like, when I was younger, like, 20, 21, 22, like, um, so I'm not, you know, going to be sharing all of these relationship archetypal situations playing the victim because I definitely know that I played a role in, in some of these toxic dynamics as well, especially when I was, you know, heavily drinking and doing drugs and partying. I want to say almost every single guy I've been with um, has started or, you know, our relationship or our fling or whatever has started on the foundation of drugs and alcohol. So um, being highly intuitive, I feel, and and my trauma has made me demisexual. And I'm going to, I'm going to, um, read the definition of demisexuality for you guys too um but basically I'm unable to like be attracted to anyone if I know nothing about them like if I if I don't know anything about them but their physical experience or their physical appearance I'm not you know I can't um open up to them or sexually or I'm just not interested but I used to be the complete opposite you know when I was in art school I would fall for people just you know, by their looks. There is one guy in particular, um, I won't say his name. (laughs) He doesn't listen to this podcast, but whatever. I was, I think I was 20. I think I was like, yeah, I was like 20 and he was like 28 and I was waitressing at this place in Fort Lauderdale. That's where I went to art school. And, um, The minute I saw this guy, I just knew that we were going to have, like, a deep connection. And it's crazy because that that time in my life, I really wanted to date slash hook up with someone with dreads. Whatever, you know. Um, This was, like, back in, like, 2000. 2000, I was, okay, I was 19. So this was, like, 2010. Yeah. Um... So we instantly hit it off. We had friends, we had mutual friends, and he was uh, the son of an owner of, of the liquor store right down the street. So long story short, we ended up having like a pretty long fling. We would, you know, drink after after work. I would go over there and like hang out with him all during his, his shift um, at the liquor store. I made, you know, I, I became really good friends with everyone there. Um, everyone that came into the liquor store kind of knew me as as his girlfriend or side piece or whatever. 
but it was out in the open, you know, like I, it was out in the open that I was his kind of girlfriend or whatever, like we would hook up around people, you know, we, we would get super drunk at the liquor store, I was underage, <laughs> um, it was so fun, you know, I would go there and like play music and meet all of his friends and just get super fucked up, um, which is what you do when you're 20 years old. And it's, you know, and it's funny because me and him still, we still communicate to this day. So it's been like 10 years and um, we still meet up with each other if we're in the same city or, you know, we'll, we'll link up and we have hooked up a couple times, but I don't really, I don't really enjoy it. Um, don't mind my cats. They're just like being wild. Uh, so, but that relationship or whatever with him did cause me a little bit of pain and trauma because he didn't want to commit and he was a big partier and he would, you know, not answer my texts or he would go out and drink with like tons of girls. Um, and he only wanted me around when he wanted me around. Um, and I found out that he was kind of fucking around with other people when I was waitressing and one of my coworkers who I was waitressing with, she was telling me, oh, there's this guy I'm talking to, blah, blah, blah. And it turns out that it was him. And I think I told him and I confronted him and he played it off like, what? She's crazy. Um, funny now, you know, looking back, like it's, it's kind of funny because we're adults now and because we still communicate and, um, but at the same time, he never looked at me as a uh, girlfriend material, I guess. But he's had girlfriends, you know, and I've always been like, hey, how are you? Like, I hope you're doing well. And like, we're so, we're on that deep, deep friendship level where like the last time that we hung out, I went to his place and we just like cuddled and like watched movies and he made me dinner and like, it was very adult you know so if anything that experience taught me you know my boundaries my self-worth and all that um let's see I had a very traumatic experience in art school you know just to start it from the beginning um I was sexually assaulted slash raped in art school and I haven't really talked about it on the podcast because I don't really want to put anybody on blast. I don't think anyone even listens to this podcast except for a few of my girlfriends from art school, but um, that really that really set the tone of my uh, my mentality towards men, towards dating, towards sexuality. I went through a few, you know, flings slash short dating spurts in, in art school where I dated, you know, guys who were like drug dealers and just super into drugs. And that was like how we trauma bonded just by doing drugs. Um, very, very toxic, very, very toxic, not, um, healthy at all. Um, but that led me to my first kind of what seemed like it was going to be healthy relationship but it definitely wasn't but this was my first kind of 
long-term relationship and it started out as being friends with benefits with someone and I'm not gonna name him because if any of my art school friends listen to this podcast they'll definitely know who it is Megan if you're listening you know who I'm talking about anyways so we me and him started you know being friends and we really just clicked we really just connected we really just had that same interest in music and he was funny and we went out and you know we went I met all his friends and he met all my friends and then all of our friend groups just started to like mesh together um we did ridiculous shit you know we we uh we really just all had such a good time you know this was like our prime time partying phase I'm I'm talking 19, 20, 21, 22. And it got to the point where we were drinking so much. Like it was everybody was just blacking out every single time we drank. There was no it was there was no um balance. It was just if we're if the house was drinking, we were all drinking and we were all blacking out and it was going to be like a a rager. Um so me and him, you know, we we really developed this strong friendship and then it wasn't sexual for a very long time until it started to get sexual and he was the initiator he was the one who asked me if he could fuck me and I said yes and that's kind of what changed (laughs) everything um I could tell that he liked me I could tell that I liked him it was obvious you know we went to music festivals together we traveled together we I I started living with him at one point he would let me use his car he you know we'd go to concerts together we slept in the same bed (laughs) I can go on and on but it was it was friends with benefits it was never we never labeled it he never labeled it and he would so we would go out with friends with all of our friends to the bar and he would um pretty much ignore me and he would never show me affection in public even though all of our friends knew that we were pretty much together and you know even even they thought it was very strange and it like it was just not talked about like it's almost like he was so afraid to admit that we were together because I don't know if he was embarrassed of me or if he was just afraid to commit, but I lived there. I lived with him and it was obvious. Um, and he would only show me affection behind closed doors. So if we were like in his room by, by ourselves, he would cuddle with me and we would watch movies. And, um, he was like a very strange character though. Like he didn't really know how to flirt. He was very, I mean, we were so young too, but he was very awkward and and bizarre about the way that he would flirt and show affection to me. And it was very, very confusing and emotionally debilitating at times. So it got to the point where, I mean, months and months and months of this, and it really just started to bring the worst out of me. I started to resent him. I started to, like, really... um, get snoopy and you know try to find if there's anybody else he was talking to which I did find out that he was talking to his ex at one point and 
we like went to California together to visit our friend and it, it just so happens that he like cheated on me with her whether it was physical or emotional or both um I don't really know but he like apologized and it was like all dramatic and like we cried and had makeup sex and that's how it was for months and months and months and it was just mentally exhausting so you know months of of being not shown affection and feeling like I had to be hidden at certain times but the weird part is like I actually met his family I met his sister his sister loved me you know his family really liked me we went to music festivals and like we we've traveled together it was just so weird so fucking weird when you're that young it's it's very weird territory to to be spending your life with someone in that way but um the sex stuff started to really take a toll on me because it got to the point where on the weekends we would get so shit-faced drunk all of us and I feel like he uh we would only have sex you know when we were like blacked out drunk and um it got to the point where in the morning it's it almost felt like I was being like low-key like morning raped I don't know if that's even a term but it wasn't rape like I'm not saying it was rape but it just felt very rapey because it wasn't ever there was never no there was never any talking or communication it was just like he would he would wake up and just like roll over and like want to have sex and um I felt like I had to because I was living with him there's a lot of layers to this but I know that there's probably tons of you tons of you guys who are listening right now who have been in a situation like this and it is mentally and emotionally abusive to to be in in a dynamic like this um long story short um I the the worst came out of me and we started to get in like physical arguments I started to like get super violent and angry because I couldn't take it anymore and because he was gaslighting me and making me feel crazy and making me feel unworthy and so I moved out and he he ended up going on like a big trip to like uh, Brazil and we just you know we just like slowly drifted apart um, as you do you know and I, then I started dating somebody else um, and this was like right after this was like one after the other I'm like not even kidding you um, I met this guy my last my last semester of art school and he was he was probably my most serious relationship for sure because we were we were truly together he really he really loved me we we you know I also ended up moving in with him pretty pretty quickly um we did everything together people looked at us as like the perfect couple we were like super into each other he was uh two years younger than me so I was 21 and he was 19 but he was super mature for his age he uh his brother had committed suicide when he was younger a lot of things um I ended up meeting his family we ended up like going to New Jersey together and like my friends from high school came and visited us and met him and it was serious like it was a serious relationship also 
very very built on drinking and partying and doing drugs you know we did opiates we did coke we, we did whatever whatever was available um he was definitely uh, a wounded person he gaslit me a lot towards the end of our relationship he manipulated me and he was a narcissist you know um he basically told me hey let's go to california uh, with my brother let's let's go out there and like make it you know let's let's create a new life out there so we had all these plans and then all of a sudden he um basically just said i don't, I don't want to be with you anymore i'm going to california it's, it's over basically and i found out that um his brother got like a huge settlement of money from some accident and then they they were going to move to california together um this story gets crazier <laughs> So, um, how did I, I knew that he was a narcissist because he got all of my friends that we shared to go against me. And that's like a classic narcissistic move. Um, I was actually staying temporarily with one of our friends. And then when me and this guy broke up, she came up with some weird excuse saying that I couldn't live there anymore. But in reality, um, I think it was because she wanted to still be able to hang out with him and she knew that if I was living with her she wouldn't be able to hang out with him it was very high school very fucking I was just like is this high school again like I don't feel like I am an adult and I was I was seeing things clearly and I was like yo this is fucking insane the only friend of mine who was there for me was Megan um, my best friend from art school one of one of them at least Um, I just went to her wedding in October and it was beautiful and um she knew like and and I still text her to this day about some of these relationships uh, about the trauma that I've been through and she knows she knows all of it she's been she was there she was there to see it all um so basically I still went to California I still um I still moved to California by myself and uh I want to say like a, a few months in I was at the Grove and I was uh, going down the escalator at Barnes and Noble and I saw my ex, I saw him um, at the bottom level with some girl and my heart dropped into my stomach and I felt like I was going to collapse and he didn't see me but um, that happened. The last thing I'll say about this, this fucking crazy synchronistic LA shit is that I was dumb and I still followed him on Instagram and looked at all of his shit and he was posting like all this like you know bougie fucking dumb shit that him him and his friends were doing and with all this money that his brother won and whatever and I was looking for an apartment I was looking to sublet um an apartment and so I I was on you know Craigslist because there, there weren't really any more apps um, at that time. And basically, I, I don't know how this happens. Talk about, talk about the universe kind of fucking with you. Um, so I found a Craigslist listing. I went to this girl's house and I, when she said her name over email, I was like, oh, that's weird. That's one of that's one of my ex's friends names um 
I'll just I'll just call her, you know, Sarah. I was like, that's weird because he has a friend named Sarah that I see him with a lot. And I was like, there's no way it's her. I got to the place. She opens the door and it is her. And I had to play dumb until I couldn't play dumb. And it was, oh my God, you guys. <laughs> I was like, how is this happening right now? And I truly felt like she was going to go tell him your ex-girlfriend is stalking you and wants to live with me or some shit. But I don't think she did. But, you know, it did. It We did figure out that um, I was his ex. And, oh, my God, small world. Wow, that's so crazy. And I was like, I was like, yeah, don't tell him this happened. I... I'm really trying to like focus on myself and do my own thing and whatever and who knows maybe she did tell him maybe she didn't I don't really care anymore but that relationship really wounded me and I would say that was the most intense breakup I've ever been through because of how narcissistic and how it how it was ended and you know if you're resonating if you're resonating with this and you've been through a, a toxic toxic kind of traumatic way of ending a relationship like that and your friends turn against you and you know you fucking you had plans for the future and then they just drop you that's that's the energy of those types of breakups is like they just drop you in the trash and they just like they easily forget about you um oh my god there's another there's another synchronicity that happened that when I was um, when I was working at this fashion store in in Hollywood in, in Larchmont, one of my clients uh, she was a dancer and she dances in music videos, and she she said to me, "Oh yeah, I was in a music video last weekend. It was at this mansion and it was weird and whatever." She showed me pictures and it was for my ex's brother, the guy who won all the the settlement money because he was trying to be a musician and I, I I just I was just like this is fucking insane like I don't know what the universe was trying to do but it just <laughs> you can't even make that shit up and LA is such a big city that it's like I don't know I just feel like that was that was my spirit guides really really fucking with me like really really truly fucking with me and it just was an ongoing process to really heal from that relationship and it, it did take me a while but I did get through it so you can kind of see you can kind of sense this common thread of patterns and cycles going through these relationships um it's easy to to notice when you're looking back in, in hindsight but when you're in it it's really challenging to to see clearly and to get yourself out of those dynamics because you're just stuck you know um what helped me get through that terrible terrible breakup and that um transition to california was yoga um one of my clients was you know tired of hearing me bitch and complain about this breakup tired of hearing me talk about how i gained weight from drinking and from self-medicating right 
and she was like, you know what, you need to go do some hot yoga and sweat it the fuck out and move on. (laughs) Her name was Amor, and she was this, like, older, powerful black woman, just, like, super, like, always wearing, like, patterns and very, like, out there, and she was, like, obsessed with Bikram yoga. She actually brought me to my first Bikram yoga class. Um, Oh, my God, there's just so many so many memories of California. I was so young and I was so, I was just a sponge. I just fucking, I I met so many people out there and I think it's because I just said yes to everything, you know, and now things are so much different. Like I'm so, I'm so blocked. I'm so kind of, um, tainted and bitter from all these relationships that, you know, it has kind of been that gateway to demisexuality. Um, I just realized that I never, uh, I never read the definition for you guys, and I apologize for that. I just kind of got super, (laughs) super into that, um, the first kind of archetypal scenarios, but I'm going to look it up right now. Um, demisexuality definition. But I'm kind of glad that I, I went into it first with a couple scenarios um, and, and experiences because now you can kind of paint a picture as to why someone could be demisexual. So I think that that's actually perfect. So it says, demisexuality is a sexual orientation where people only experience sexual attraction to folks that they have close emotional connections with. In other words, demisexual people only experience sexual um, attraction after an emotional bond has formed. So, like I said in the beginning, I wasn't like this in art school, um, but each each scenario and each experience that I went through that left a sexual scar or a sexual wound or some kind of trauma, um, little by little I started to be very skeptical <clears throat> with men. And by the time I was, you know, 27, yeah, because my, my, my last relationship, my most recent relationship ended in 2017, January, I guess, on and off, but yeah, like 2017. So I've been single for four or five years. Yeah, four years. Um, and... I just feel like this this sexual orientation is how I've been living without realizing it um, because I can't find attraction to someone who I don't know anymore. It's just there's no there's no energy within me to to spark that interest because a big part of me just sees sees their trauma, sees their darkness, again, sees, I can, it's almost like I have spidey senses for it, and being a, being a yoga teacher also has helped, because with body language, with eye contact, with facial expression, with the way that somebody is um, presenting themselves physically, and with their words, I can tell, um, I can basically tell if they're hiding skeletons in the closet. Let's just put it that way. So, um, 
I don't know where else to go with this. Okay, um, there was a a guy I dated in Miami. If any of you, if any of my Miami friends are listening, you probably know who I'm talking about. I only had like one boyfriend there. Um, and it was a fixer-upper relationship. It was he never had his shit together. He was always going through tr- drama and trauma and trials and tribulations and roommate drama and work drama and you know being broke drama and daddy issues and it was just a fucking mess um he ended up moving in with me very very quickly again this is the pattern this is the the pattern that I lived for several relationships that um I feel ruined them because um it just created a resentment energy between both of us or one-sided doesn't matter but moving too quickly is not healthy um we would fight we would have insane fights you know but I will say that that was the relationship that did have the best sex um in the beginning at least it got to the point where he was um you know, manipulative, he was gaslighting me, he was basically slut-shaming me when I was not a slut. (laughs) I was a yoga teacher um, that drank sometimes. Uh, I was a bartender. We, we, We met at the same restaurant that we worked at, so he would get, he would get jealous almost when I was like, you know, bartending and waitressing and whatever. He was a cook, I was a waitress, typical fucking dumb fucking rom com shit. Um, I did love him. I did. Um, And he, I think, loved me. But it got to the point where our relationship was toxic and just, you know, the bad outweighed the good. We had way more bad nights than good nights. Um, And then I just stopped having a sex drive. I stopped wanting to have sex with him, blah, blah, blah. We break up. I go to Thailand. I get parasites. It was that trip that I got parasites and got deathly ill. Um, Came back. I ended up uh, flying back to Florida on Valentine's Day because the whole time that I was in Thailand, even though I was there, even though we were like breaking up, he was still living with me and he was holding down the fort at my house. So I guess we weren't really broken up, but we, you know, we were broken up, but he, he made me feel like shit the whole time that I was in Thailand. He, he tried to ruin my trip, basically, and guilt shame me, and, you know, he, he said some really hurtful shit, um, and that's when I was like, you know what, fuck this, I'm gonna enjoy myself, I'm gonna, I had a really fun time, I went on a yoga sh- retreat, I went to Bali with my best friend, it was fucking amazing, um, and then, he made me feel like I was I was going to come home to a lot of drama and fighting and he said if you don't fly fly back by Valentine's Day it's over you're you're not going to be happy to be here like he he threatened me and he he completely just manipulated me and I was like you know what shut the fuck up like all right I'll fly back on on Valentine's Day like flights are actually super cheap anyways so fuck it you know um and that was like a fun trip because I remember like a, like flying on Valentine's Day. It was kind of interesting. And I remember I had a really, really long layover and it was in Qatar. 
and they actually put me up in a hotel for free and gave me like a free buffet pass and the hotel was like super fucking nice and I took a bath and I listened to podcasts um (laughs) it was really nice and I was like fuck now I have to go back to this fucking motherfucker in Miami and break up with him and get him get him out of my house um the reason why I'm explaining this scenario is because we deal with so much toxic shit and when I went on that trip I took a large lens and a large step back and I was like ew like why would I want to deal with like I'd rather be single forever than be in a relationship with someone like that and I would say that relationship really took a toll on me as well and made me continue to uh, be bitter and see men in this like dark light and dark darkness and like it didn't end there you know I I hooked up with a couple people in Philly and both of them ghosted me both of them were into drugs and drinking you know the cycle just continued um the one that I went through in Philly um was really fucked up as well because uh he I basically became homeless in Miami because a real estate agent um fucked me over stole my money blah 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 I've talked about it on the podcast um and long story short I went to Philly to live with this guy who I had met like a month before at Envision and we really hit it off we had mutual friends from high school blah 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 you know just so happens to be that he's a big drug dealer he's a drug addict does drugs from morning to night it was traumatizing it was I would say that was probably the most traumatizing relationship that I've been in even though it wasn't a relationship it was like a month fling um because of the way that he treated me towards the end at first he was like obsessed with me and then towards the end he stonewalled me and got super cold and stopped talking to me when I was in when I was living with him um the sex was the worst sex I've ever had in my life and I remember when um his brother came over one time this is when I knew that that something was weird his brother came over and he saw me there and he was like oh shit you're still here and I was like yeah I'm like living here temporarily and I'm finding an apartment like I live here and it was just it was that moment where I was like oh wow like this is there's something fucked up here um that relationship or fling also was very traumatizing because I relapsed really really intensely on drugs and alcohol I was doing coke every day for like you know a month or two um and it was just a very very dark time I would say that was probably the darkest time of my life when I was like couch surfing in Philly um left my life in Miami where I was teaching because I became homeless I had to put all my shit in storage I had to give my cat to my mom I was just living in Philly with I was like what is going on like you know I had money I had money saved up but I was homeless I was drinking doing drugs blah 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 
so that was a really tough one to get over too because he just like the other one um he tossed me away like garbage and just pretended I didn't exist you know it was really fucked up it really it really um it traumatized me in in the way of I'm never opening up again I am never going to give a guy the benefit of the doubt again you know I felt like any guy who came into my life after that was just going to fuck me over. And I was right because the next guy that I hooked up with um, did, you know, we were friends from, from, we worked in the same area. Um, He would flirt with me all the time. We ended up hooking up. And then, you know, a few weeks later, we were supposed to go on a date and he ghosted me and he never, (laughs) he never showed up and he never texted me or called me and it was 4th of July weekend and I decided to dip and go to New York and take the bus to New York and go see my friend Val from art school who li- who lives in New York now <laughs> it was so fucked up you guys I-, I was like that and that was the last time that I like hooked up with someone like that I had sex with someone and this was the summer of 2019. Um, and that's why I'm celibate now. And that's why I'm demisexual now. So to kind of, you know, tie this all in together, is it demisexuality or is it trauma? I think it's a little bit of both. I think people who are demisexual could have, could become demisexual because of a history of relationship trauma. I also feel like you can have phases of demisexuality. I feel like you can have a phase where you're just like not into anyone and you know every time you swipe someone on a dating app, you can just you can just see the the toxic manipulative qualities in them. You can just tell by like their pictures, by what they're sharing, by especially on Hinge, you can definitely tell people's personalities because of the prompts that they have you can tell if somebody's condescending you can tell if somebody's narcissistic you can tell if somebody is uh you know a big drinker you can tell if somebody is super egotistical and only worried about body or you know you can tell if somebody's like full of themselves you can you can definitely tell so i feel like we all as a collective have this like heightened and strengthened way of of viewing people and it is connected to trauma and past relationships because we go in these new relationships um with a lens that's connected to our past and you know like demisexuality can also be i feel like some of the younger generation like gen gen x or whatever whatever is before millennials, I feel like a lot of that generation is demisexual um, because of social media, maybe. I don't know, but I feel like you can you can teeter-totter between, you know, just being demisexual and not, but I definitely feel like in my case, trauma and toxic relationships has been the catalyst to me being demisexual. I have no desire to let someone in who I um, know nothing about. And that's my own shit. You know, that's my own shadow. That's my own um, 
blockages right now. That's my own rut. But I am trying to integrate and I am trying to be a little bit more open and trustworthy. Um, And I wanted to, as I'm closing out this episode, I wanted to read you guys uh, something from this subreddit about the demisexuality. Um, Because I I wrote, uh, I made a post on it, basically. And I was just like, you know, I don't know what to do, if this is trauma, if this is, like, what what is happening here? Am I demisexual or is this trauma, you know? And someone, someone commented a very, very long and detailed, detailed answer. And I was just like, wow, thank you, you know? Um, so I want to share a little bit what this person shared um, here. They said... Um, one thing that might help you figure stuff out is to just look at some public group where there is no dating focus at all and see how you feel. If every person you see in public looks like a narcissist or an abuser, that's probably your trauma talking. If most of the general public seems okay, but 90-95% of the profiles you see on some sites have red flags or things that make you feel uncomfortable trying a date, that could well be reality given your needs and your triggers and social norms for dating apps and sites. So I think that's a really, really smart way of looking at it because if you're like out at the grocery store, like this is the first thing that I thought of, okay, you know, I'm going to take this girl's advice and when I'm out at the grocery store, am I looking around at the men there and being like, oh my god, what a toxic piece of shit or he's probably a narcissist or he's probably an abuser? No, I'm not doing that. I I do feel for people when I'm out in in the wild, you know? I'm I try to be nice to people. I try to see that other people are suffering, you know? I think that's what it comes down to um is that we're all kind of suffering, but when we're on the dating apps, there's there's a sexual energy there. It's sexually charged. So when you're on a dating app, you're already influenced with this sexual energy that people are expecting of you, right? Because people go on there expecting to meet someone, expecting to fuck someone, expecting to go on a date with someone. And so um, it can be a very triggering and activating place to be. So when you're in that energy of like, oh, this guy is just on here to like have sex with someone or meet someone or like, look, look at him talking himself up, look at him and look at his profile and ugh, you know, then all the trauma starts to come out and be like, nope, remember that relationship? That guy reminds you of him. And all these past experiences rise up and bubble up. And then as you're flipping through these profiles, you start connecting the dots, you start connecting these past dudes with these dudes in front of you on your phone and you start looking at them as if you know they're they're just a a new version of someone who's traumatized you in the past and I think that there's something to be said there that when you're on dating apps um, if you are still really processing past relationships that have traumatized you it can 
create more trauma in your body and in your mind because then it's going to make you angry it's going to make you uncomfortable it's going to make you pissed it's going to make you rethink about memories and traumatic experiences that you thought you were over just by you know seeing some guy's profile on hinge you know and it's debilitating because then you just go through all these profiles and then you're just like you know all men are evil all men are abusers all men are emotionally you know narcissistic and manipulative and all the good guys aren't on dating apps like these are the stories that I tell myself and I know that these stories and these perspectives are you know not true and they are distorted um but this is this is the this is the work this is the inner work of our generation you know a lot of us are going through trauma a lot of us are still processing and healing from those traumatic experiences and relationships and sexual trauma and you know take your pick whatever story I, I I told you about all these guys that I've been involved with in the past whichever one resonates with you you could very well still be processing that mentally physically and it's easy to get triggered and reactivated so you know like take take it slow integration these days is not the same as it used to be because we can't just depending on where you live you can't just go out and meet people in the wild as easily um i actually just got a gym membership to crunch gym it's not the nicest gym but it's uh the reason why i did it is because i need to get out of my comfort zone even though i know how to work out at home even though I don't necessarily need to have a gym membership, um, I did it anyways because I need to put myself in in social atmospheres. Even if I go to the gym, I don't talk to anybody. Like today I went and I didn't talk to a single person. You know, whatever. Like, like not everybody's like hanging around talking to people. Like some people have masks on, some people don't. It's Florida. <laughs> you know, um, I go there, I do my thing. It's like a ritual. It's nice to just like be around other people. It's nice to like see other people. Um, and I know that I'm going to work my way up to feeling comfortable to maybe do, you know, weights on the floor. Cause right now I'm not I'm not in any way, shape, or form ready to do that because I have basically a panic attack every time I walk through the gym just to get to the locker room. Um, and every time that I have to walk upstairs to the cardio machines, I also have like a panic attack because I feel like everybody can just sense that I'm uncomfortable or that I am, you know, up in my head or I'm, you know, I'm just anxious. Like, I, I when you deal with anxiety and ADHD you can you can feel like everyone senses how uncomfortable you are but I was talking to my friend Kevin um who I went to my friend Megan's wedding with and he was like the best um wedding date he's my friend from Philly I'm actually trying to get him to come on the podcast but um he's he's super dope and I can be completely open with him and honest and he was like yeah but you gotta you gotta think like the guys that are in the gym, you know, they're also going through a lot and they also could be like, wow, you know, like 
there's like beautiful women around me like uh, they could be feeling intimidated and anxious as well because we've all been kind of going through this isolation for almost a year now I know that Florida is different and a lot of the bars and and lounges and and stuff like that are open which is why I moved back um you know and it's not like I got the gym membership because I think oh maybe I'll meet the one there like there's absolutely no fucking way that I'm gonna meet um my person there but I could meet friends you know I can meet someone uh, I can meet a guy who is just a friend I have a lot of guy friends and that's the thing with with trauma too I think um it's interesting because I do have a lot of guy friends and I I know how to have solid masculine friendships but when it comes to romantic I I feel like a child I feel like I'm an adolescent I feel like I'm stuck and frozen in the past I feel like I have no idea what to do anymore I'm just a wounded little girl who's been fucked over by all these men and it's not just their fault it's it's also my fault you know drugs alcohol all these things played a part and I played a part in it as well so you know if you're going through a toxic relationship or a dynamic that is similar to any of these scenarios that I have laid out these archetypal romantic um, relationship scenarios I feel for you and I hope this episode just could help you not feel so alone and kind of paint a picture of how these cycles and these patterns can weave into your life because um, it's obvious that I've been going through the same patterns for over a decade and now I'm finally, you know, for the last year, year and a half, um, yeah, like since 2020, so like a year, um, I've really said to myself, enough is enough and I've come to terms with that if I'm single forever, so be it. I am happy, you know, being able to to live my life in a way that feels nourishing. Like, I'm able to do this podcast. I have my two cats who are always cuddling with me, and that makes me happy. You know, I'm, I'm focusing on my health. And what we have to remember, guys, is that when we're in relationships that are toxic, they can drain you. And they can take your own personal power away from yourself and they will make you forget that you have to take care of your your health, your physical body, your you'll you'll put your needs away and you'll forget that you have to take care of yourself. Um, you'll be so wrapped up in it that you know, you're you're wrapped up in the drama and the, the trauma that then all these health issues start to hit you you know you have to think about that as well what's more important being with someone and having sex or being alone being single you know like we have to really weigh out the pros and cons at this point because everything has changed and we're going through a huge paradigm shift and 
it's time to really heal our past let go of let go of the traumatic experiences that we've been through and in order to do that we really have to be true to ourselves and not settle and not not um keep living these same cycles and patterns and it's easier said than done you know but it really does require a stepping back a drawing away from a uh, a complete reset you know so I hope this episode helped you I really do and uh, I'd love to hear any stories that you guys have Um, you can feel free to email them to me if you feel like this episode resonated with you and you'd like to share an experience or something like that um, my emails in the show notes it's just gabcohen at gmail.com feel free to email me and follow me on Instagram gabloveflow and follow um, unsubscribe to my YouTube channel where I do tarot readings and energy readings for the collective and all that I'll link everything in the show notes. My Etsy is still full of um, virtual online yoga classes from, you know, core strength to power yoga to yin yoga, restorative yoga, meditations, all the things. So, um, yeah, if you're struggling, meditation, my meditation course is also on there, full of guided meditations, binaural beats, and um, journaling prompts and writing prompts, so check that out if that resonates with you i'm gonna leave you with the rest of the song by matt bellina and i hope that um, we'll connect soon bye this city once sparked our divinity within me Sparked our divinity within me. Oh my. But now there's only ashes and gloom as I melt alone in this hotel room.
certain 